welcome again to Gethsemane Sundays from Gethsemane Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Our presiding minister is Reverend Deborah Muter, music by Aaron Smith. The following service was pre-recorded for January 24th, 2021. According to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory, Glory to, to you, you, O Lord. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Christ. May be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. If you've been watching my devotions, you know that I've recommended that you read all of chapter one of Mark. Actually, I really recommend that you read or listen to the whole book of Mark, but maybe it's a little more reasonable to just start with chapter one. You would start with chapter one anyway, of course. But in Mark, it's very interesting because we would have, if we depended on Mark only for our gospel, we would have nothing that we know of as Christmas. Certainly Jesus must have been born because he seems to be here on the earth, but Jesus doesn't even really exist until we hear about John the Baptist. Here, let me just kind of give you a rundown. And you could do this just by opening up a Bible and looking at the headings. That's how I got these different categories. John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus. So Jesus and John are grown up already as soon as Mark 1 verse 1 starts. We know about the baptism and the testing or temptation of Jesus. We, and, oh, so let me back up. John the Baptist prepares the way. That was a message that we had during Advent. The baptism and testing of Jesus, part of that we heard at the baptism of our Lord, part we will hear in the first Sunday of Lent. Jesus announces the good news and calls his first disciples. Today's reading. Next week, Jesus drives out an impure spirit and heals men. And then the following week, he heals many. Also, he prays in a solitary place. A little different order, kind of thrown at us in typical Mark fashion. Boom, boom, boom. Right? Mark uses the word immediately and now a lot. Got to get right to it. And then, at the very end of this chapter, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. We're not going to hear that one this year because we have a relatively early Easter and this season gets cut a little short. If you'd like a longer explanation of that, I'll be glad to share it with you. (laughs) But right here, where we start today, even begins with the word, now. Mark is just this very fast-moving, must-do-it-now. I don't want to say impulsive because that's a little bit different, but urgent gospel. Now, Mark tells us, after John was arrested. 
This is a huge turning point. If you look back over your life, you could find lots of turning points. Quite often, ceremonies are involved in this. Graduations, confirmations, birth, obviously, various turning points. And here is one, and death, someone else's death may be a turning point in your life as well, may have been. After John was arrested, John's still alive, but he's arrested, Jesus kicks into action. It's almost like many of the stories that we know, someone has to die in the leadership position or go away completely before someone else comes up. So Jesus' ministry seems to begin right there. And his ministry is, as it says here, proclaiming the good news of God. Now here's the thing. Good news should be, well, I mean, at least good and with good, we think of things go well, things are, people are happy, things are good, right? If I asked you how you're doing and you said things are good, I would assume everything's running fairly smoothly. But when you bring the good news of God, it doesn't always see, seem that things go smoothly. For one thing, John the Baptist is in prison because he was preaching the good news of God. We know that Jesus will run into all kinds of trouble throughout his ministry and ultimately die bringing the good news. The real good news that comes with that, of course, is Jesus was raised from the dead, right? It's not good news for Herod. It's not good news for the people who were not doing what they were supposed to do. So when we come with good news for others, it may not always seem so good. It's not easy. That's the thing. Because good news asks quite often, well, always, for some sort of change. And we just love change, don't we? No. You know what? You don't know this. Well, some of you know this. But if you're watching on the video, you don't know this. But when I came in, I asked a few people to move to different spots. You had to change your spots. You were all very kind and agreeable about that. I appreciate that. But we're, we're creatures of habit. We tend to go back to the same thing again and again. Unsolicited this morning, someone told me, you know, if you want to get rid of a bad habit, you just have to practice whatever the good, new good habit is for three weeks, 21 days. Just do it 21 days, and that's what it takes to break a bad habit. Really? That's it? You mean, <laughs> thank you. Somebody's shaking his head. Thank you. I mean, I understand that it could help, and it might be a small thing to get yourself into a routine. But if you've got a really bad habit, it's not going to go away just because you try not to do it for three weeks. I'm not really bringing very good news today, am I? That's not very good news. See, the problem is, we're human beings, and we are laden down with human sin, and sin lasts longer than 21 days. For those of you who have been married and have tried to be the best spouse that you can, you've been tripped up, as I have, many, many times by your own sin. And I've been married 31 years, which is a lot longer than 21 days, and I continue to have problems, and they come from here as much or more as they do from my husband. I've learned that much in 31 years. 
and not from him telling me. So the message that we get here about repent, repent means turn around the other direction, change your ways and believe in the good news is something that we think we want to hear. Right? We want to come back to church. We want to be here in person with one another. We want to hear God's word in person. But the reality is that hearing the good news and doing something with it are two different things. And they don't get fixed up in just three weeks. We want to hear Jesus' message, but it can mean great discomfort for us. The disciples that followed Jesus, really, these guys that we hear about in the gospel reading, were doing a huge thing that we just don't quite get when we read this. When James and John leave their father, Zebedee, and the hired men in the boat, this is not just saying, well, I used to be a fisherman and now I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. They were throwing everything away. Maybe that's a pejorative way to put it. They were kissing it all goodbye because if you told your father, I'm leaving the family business, good luck on your own, and you left him with the guys that you'd hired, can you imagine when you came back later that he'd be really interested in inviting you back into the job? No, because you've left him high and dry. You've left him in the lurch, as we say. These fishermen by the fact that knowing that they had hired men, that they had a good, lucrative, strong family business. We tend to portray the fishermen as just these poor guys that were getting by day by day, but they were doing pretty well. They had a good business. And maybe they were a little too comfortable. And maybe that's why it was so easy for them to leave. Things had come easy to them. They were not the original business owner. They were the sons of the original business owner, at least. Maybe the grandsons, I don't know. And they said, we're going to follow Jesus. Now that's a Holy Spirit moment, and that's a whole different story. But I just want you to look at it for a moment from the, from the viewpoint of Zebedee and the hired guys left behind. And they do not have enough people to do this incredible job of bringing in the fish. They were pretty privileged, James and John, to be able to up and walk away like that. And then what does Jesus say to them? Or how is it that he calls them? He says to the others as well, follow me, and we used to always say, and I will make you fishers of men. And that had a nice ring to it. But we know that we're not only fishing for men. Women are included too. So we've kind of changed it to, we're going to fish for people. And it's odd, and the good thing about hearing it differently is it makes us think a little bit more. And I don't know how many sermons I've preached about casting a wide net and bringing him in and letting God sort it out. Not necessarily bad sermons, but a little more research for my sermon today taught me something new. It doesn't mean this is exactly right or what I said before was exactly right. It's what you do with it, really, that matters. See, what I heard on this, in this case is that this is often a misunderstood call to evangelism. The idea is that we're to invite others to follow Jesus. Yes, of course, we should, but there's more to it to that. We've traditionally misunderstood this. It doesn't necessarily refer to saving the souls, that these men are going to be saving people's souls. It's more an image that comes from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 16. You can also find it in Amos and Ezekiel, where God says, I'm going to send fishermen 
going to get you on the hook. And we've got nets, and we've got hooks, but we both know those are ways to catch fish. If I say, uh-oh, so-and-so's got me on the hook, that means I'm in trouble, right? I've been caught. We say that too, you catch a fish, you've been caught. What Jesus was calling them to by using this image from the Old Testament was calling them to pursue injustice. He was calling privileged men to go after other privileged men and women and say, God's justice is more important than anything else. The hooking of fish can be the hooking of the rich and powerful, overturning the existing order of power and privilege. And I think it's interesting, fish nets or safety nets? Which one do we want? We like to be comfortable, remember? We don't want to change. Jesus, yes, of course, wants us to call others to come and join him. There's no doubt about that. He wants to be sure yet as well that we are always working for the care of those who are downtrodden. He wants us to be sure that we live in a world where there is justice for all people. And you know what? We tend to assign this job to the government. Government needs to take care of that. Let's have justice. And of course, we are to elect people who are going to be just and serve well. Sorry, that's not what this sermon's about, though. This sermon's about us and what we can do. What can we do? How can we re-examine our priorities in life, our allegiances? And I don't mean allegiances within political parties. I mean, what is it each day, in and out, that we depend on and that we look towards? Remember, we don't like change. We don't want it to be different. Just think about your life. How many people go to the doctor not feeling well, and the doctor says, well, surprise, surprise. What do doctors always say? Eat right, get some exercise, stop smoking, stop drinking so much, whatever it is that we're doing that's unhealthy. And you know what most people do? And you can ask a doctor if you know one. They don't do it. They don't make the changes. Basically, a doctor can say, you got to do this, or eventually it's going to kill you. And people say, well, okay. And it's not like people say, well, I'd just rather it kill me. It doesn't matter what you say, it's what you do that it comes down to because we don't like change. We want to stay the way that we are. You know, I exercise regularly, I eat right, but I have to push myself all the time to make that happen. And that's not what this is about either. It's about how we don't like the uncomfortable stuff. And it's okay to be uncomfortable with Jesus telling us that we need to be the ones keeping an eye out for injustice and hurt and wrong in the world. And that we need to do what we can to bring about that hard, good news. Jesus bringing good news is always hard for us because it means a change here and when? Now, as Mark says in our lives. I have to say, it's a good thing Jesus knows us so well. It's a good thing because we are called to live a new life, and we are given an incredible gift of forgiveness. Jesus was never afraid to do any of that, 
Jesus wasn't afraid to change, to take the highest risk, to do what was right, and to do what needed to be done. He went all the way to the cross to give us new life. He died for our sins, and he raised us and was raised for, to new life. Don't ever forget that, and don't ever take it for granted. Use that true good news about your life to be inspired to make a change, to do something really hard for the sake of the gospel, as Mark calls us, as Jesus called those fishermen that day. Now, God will lead you in the right way. Amen. has been a Wayne Shout production. Wayne Shout.